count to three. Come with me and you'll be in a world of... Do, re, mi, fa, so, la, ti, do. You have found Daniel Donato's Lost Highway. That lost highway. on that intro how time slowed down in your world just for a second that is because the grateful dead they know how to bend time and if you hear that crackling in the background that's because this is old footage and i wanted to just kind of put some technology that wasn't hyper 21st century efficient into your ears for a second because it's okay for some things to not really be faster than you and it's it's nice and warm and analog and so i just kind of wanted to throw that out there but it's kind of like the Grateful Dead slows down time a little. And I was, uh, I played Fortnite recently for the first time. And there's like that gravity warp thing that happens like in Halo. And I'm like, wait, this game's like Halo. And they're like, no, this game's like Minecraft because you build. And like, no, this game's also like Call of Duty. And then it hit me that this game is like a lot of games. And the gaming community likes that. But when you hear that in the music community today, Everyone's like, this person sounds just like this person. Sounds just like Bruce Springsteen. Sounds just like Led Zeppelin. It's like, well, hey, maybe that's on purpose. Like, maybe it makes sense to include the plethora of greatness that has already been created and is easily available at our disposal today. Maybe it makes sense that we tip our hat to greatness and keep it alive, keep the source present in our present day creations that serve today and tomorrow because there was so much greatness made yesterday. And that's the way to innovate in some way. It's to start from somewhere that's real. You hear, that's why like everyone loves Tinker Hatfield. That's like, that's why everyone loves Virgil Abloh. And like Virgil Abloh has that concept of like, the 3% rule where he every creation he has is either 3% different from what's initial source was or 3% different from the previous thing he created that hit and did a good job it's like that's kind of a cool thing to not everything you do has to recreate the wheel you should honor the wheel and build upon the wheel in a great way and then it's like the responsibility creation can turn into something where it's more like serving a community of elders that have created and then a, a present day tribe that is wanting to do the same thing as you which is simply just enjoy the, the good stuff that's already been made and then uh, build upon it and build upon it it's like we go to a Grateful Dead show and even if your dead shirt was bought in 1975 at the show or you weren't alive yet in 1975 everyone loves Dead and Company when they go and see the show it's like I think that that pastiche art era in which we're alive right now is extremely relevant for that concept so who knows you also could just think I'm, I'm, I'm totally full of shit it's totally acceptable as well but just one more idea think about this think about the idea of how many planes of time your actions exist on Think of the thing that you did when you were five somehow and it's still affecting your life today. Think about that award that you won in middle school that persuaded your decision that you made in high school, that persuaded your decision you made in college in which you met your best friend and then you guys got married and now you're living in a house in North Carolina and you like IPA beers on the weekends and you have a job that you love. It's like think of all of the planes and time in which your actions exist. 
think of everything that you do today you can do tomorrow you can invest for tomorrow and that that allows for you to literally create moments today that react positively for the rest of your life and this was all inspired by a Carl Sagan quote that I want you guys to think about and I think it adds on to the to the goal that I have right now for myself which maybe you might find valuable which is I think in, in I've never looked back on life thinking I should have worked harder but I always look back on life thinking I should have cared more about the right things I feel like I should have my compass of caring wasn't always set in the place of highest priority which it should be it was never the hours I put in I always wish I cared more about the right things and Carl Sagan said this recently not recently but I discovered it recently which is is uh, to live in the hearts that you leave behind is to never die and he I read it once and it's stuck in my brain forever and it's like there it is. There is the there's the ultimate inflammation of meaning I've uh, I've found in words. So I just wanted to share that with y'all and see if it hits you in any way. My next guest today is you know him, you love him on Instagram. His name is Ariel Posen. And if you see him live in person, you love him as an artist and a performer. And then after having this conversation and listening to it. You will love him as a person because he has a fantastic, positive, rational outlook on life that is a fantastic voice to hear right now in being in the slew of the whirlwinds of the time that uh, we are presently in. Um, he has a real tenure in his career. Um, he's been a, been a sideman. He's been a producer. He's been a, a studio guitar player on sessions and he's also now venturing into doing his own his own thing which he's been doing for a few years now and we talk about how to independently do that successfully and how to stay organized and then also developing your own voice in the guitar and following life signs and then other heavy concepts that are fantastic food for thought and here we go do you how would you classify yourself then in this modern time where so many of my friends are guitar players writers producers engineers but i feel like i feel like you and i are kind of we're able to be good at like really amazing at like two or three things would you consider yourself that as well as opposed to being just like this vast swiss army knife well it's funny because um when i started playing for a living like when i was i guess when i was super young but when i started taking it really seriously when i was like when was you know that? 18 okay. what's that you were 18 well, like when I was 18, 19, and I just wanted to be a sideman for hire, which I was, you know, every, the thing is you got to be versatile. You got to be that Swiss army knife because you want all the gigs and you want to play, you want to jump on a country gig, but you still want to be able to put on a suit and do a jazz gig after just in case, but you still want to be cool enough to do like a pop gig or a rock, whatever, you know, you wanted to be versatile. Of course. So I spent so much time doing that. And then eventually was in a position playing in a band uh, where it was all about just really just playing like ourselves and not, it, you know, not playing other people's parts that you're just learning on a record. Cause you're just a guitar player for hire, but like of course, people, people coming out to see us because of what we do. And then what, what I, years I, was that? I focused, pardon. When was that years wise? Um, that started around like, that was eight years ago, uh, seven years ago. Yeah. 2012, 2013. So you guys are like promoting via Facebook, Spotify, like the usual routes. Yeah. I mean, YouTube isn't what it, 
I mean, YouTube was rocking. Oh yeah. Instagram wasn't rocking. Not at all. Uh, it was. It, it was mostly yeah Facebook. But I was always f- funny enough. I've always been posting videos like on on the YouTube. <laughs> On the YouTube, I fuck. Holy shit! I sound like a sixty-year-old man. Um, on YouTube, uh, I was always posting videos of playing and just, you know, camera in front. And I've made them mostly private and unlisted these days. But oh, really? Yeah. But when people started playing on Instagram, oh yeah, playing guitar on Instagram, I was just like, okay, everyone's caught up now. Oh man, it wasn't anything different. Um, that was just a side note. Yeah. But no, I, I was just, I was gonna say. Uh, in terms of the Swiss Army knife thing, I've I'm much happier focusing in on yeah, like you said, a few things that I know I'm confident at. I don't have to feel like I need to fake other stuff because uh, I'm happy with what I do, and people mm-hmm. are often wanting me to. If it is, if I'm not doing, you know, the artist thing on my own, if if someone's calling me for a session or to produce or something, they want what I do course. rather than, Hey man, want you to, can you come in on playing the session and do like a, like a Chet Atkinsy type, which is not my thing at all. Love that stuff. But it's just, they're calling me. I'm, it's more of a specialized thing. Now. Don't you ever, I have this thing with music where I'm this still on this kid in the candy shop and I want to be able to do all the things. But as, as it, as we venture into, as you have to do your own thing, as you grow and develop your own thing, you realize that that is, it's, it's, it's a niche on its own. And so like your niche to me, it's like this very vocal, it's very vocal, melodic based style way of playing and approaching music in general, even improvisation. Um, How much are you focusing on what is like consciously, like what it is that you do, or is it all just kind of like a continuum of influence just in in a revolving door sense and like what comes out, what comes out? Cause it's a very specific way that you play. It's not like you're just, you're winging it. It's like, well, you you probably are in some light, but it's coming from like a very specific intention. Intention is what I was looking for. Yeah, it's coming from a very subconscious spot in my brain. And it's come from years and years and years of doing everything else where I'm, I've been, I was playing something or learning something because I thought that's what people would want to hear. Right. I thought that's what would be impressive or that's, you know, that's how we all think. And I'm the same way. It's like I want to play everything and I want to play every style. Yeah, I want to yeah. be able to do everything I hear. Yeah. yeah. Oh, but then you do it and you, you kind of just realize like, fuck. This doesn't sound honest, and it's not genuine, right? And and you could and you could put the time in, but could hit the shed and work on it. But at the end of the day, I don't want to play anything anymore that isn't represented as genuinely as possible, and that isn't honest because it comes out in the music. It comes out, and people that don't know shit about music can smell that. They can smell if something is sincere or not. Hundred percent. And it's a feel thing. It's a it's an every. It's everything. It's every. Do you do you believe that it's also? It's even deeper than the. It's even deeper than the instrument because it's coming from the human. It's coming from the source. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. So my question to you, which is something I recently, very re- since the quarantine, have just been obsessed with, is wait, 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 wait. If if I don't love what I'm playing, it's coming from myself. So I have to like literally get myself in tune before anything that comes out of me is feeling in tune. Is that something that you're aware of? Like, are you thinking about like your happiness level or like your homeostasis as a person and that affecting how you play and make music? Which, um, is, a, which is a deep question, but I just like, to yeah, go. 
to be honest, I've never thought about it that way. But in some ways, yes. Like there's so many times I I do not care at all to pick up an instrument. I don't want to play if I'm not in the mindset. And, and you're justified. We, yeah, and we were chatting the other day on the uh, on the live there that we did. Yeah. Like, okay. I like take I like taking a couple days off if I'm feeling like that to come back clear headed. And you know, so much of playing music is comes from joy, but it also comes from a productive level. And I feel you feel purpose doing it. You feel yeah what you're like what you're meant to be doing on this planet. So like some, some there's some days where you just don't feel like that, and there's some days where you just feel like I just want to watch TV or do nothing that has to do with music. And I don't really think about it. I just, if I feel it, I go do it. If I don't feel it, I don't. Ah. And obviously there's times where, when there isn't a pandemic where you have to work anyways, even if you're not feeling it. And that's fine too. At the end of the day, I'm grateful to do it. Um, but it just happens. And it's, it's so much more about being an extension of, how I'm feeling. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm answering this as I go along. I no, need to no, ramble like to really get the answer up. Me too, my friend. I think that's because yeah, we it, improvise. Yeah. It's an extension. It's like, it sounds so lame, but it's like, no, you know, it's who we are. It's who we are. It's, very it's not real. what we do. I yeah. know. That's the kind of weird thing too. I'm starting to face in music. Uh, my friends now, I just turned 25 and my friends now are, their careers are starting to kind of take shape, but it's not, and it's openly like they're all right with it. It's not who they are. And um, it's what they do. And I'm, I'm having a, an interesting time realizing that difference in real time. Like what I do mm. is just like, I never even felt like I, like I uh, woke up one day and decided I wanted to do this. It just kind of happened. So is, yeah. that, is that how it was for you? Like you're, I'm going to, in like the journey of becoming who you are and you're still becoming because we're living and breathing uh, creatures. But when was that a conscious thing for you? Or was it like, no, I think I'm going to drop out of law school and I'm just going to play guitar. Yeah. Well, it was pretty funny. Um, my parents are both musicians and generations, Fantastic. my whole family, there's a lot of music in my family. So I was always brought up with music. I was brought up going to shows. I think I was on my first flight at two months old, going to a festival. <laughs> and that's just what I was, you know, that's what I was used to. And I always played music. Started on piano, played, started guitar when I was seven or eight years old. And uh, in high school, I was playing a lot of basketball too. So my life was kind of divided by music and basketball. <laughs> um, and, you know, when you, when you graduate high school, they, they send you to a guidance counselor to try to steer you in the right direction for the rest of your life. Because at the time, you don't realize that your, your life actually begins when you graduate high school. You think your whole life is in high school. So, and, and I was already starting to do some gigs, like real small, right. you know, like the, the odd wallpaper thing, the odd thing here oh. when I was 14, I started, yeah. I started making money maybe once every couple months yeah. by playing music. Of course. Yeah. So about to graduate high school and the guidance counselor goes, yeah, so <laughs> no, no, you love music. No, you play a lot of music and stuff like that. Um, but you're a great basketball player. And, and first of all, I was never, I was never good enough to like play college or anything like that. Nothing at that level. I just went to a small school and that was just how it was. So they said, you know, if you're, since you're so into, you know, sports and basketball, have you ever considered doing athletic therapy? Oh, and I said, and I said, huh? No, but that sounds kind of interesting. And she, she basically steered me and she's like, well, you know, 
It has all the elements you like. You're still in the sports field and you're dealing with athletes who get injured and you're helping them recover and blah, blah, blah. Right. And it was just going in. It was just going in one ear and, I, and it was staying. I was going, this sounds great. Wait, is and that because all- it was, is that because you're a rational, agreeable person? I'm sorry if you can hear that lawnmower outside too, but whatever. No, I can't. Okay. No, I can't. Um, is that because you're an agreeable, rational person? And you're like, hey, this actually makes sense to do. Like, this is safe. Er. I'm not necessarily like that, but she managed to convince me. Yeah. And she managed... What, what's crazier is that all of... You know, I got by high school, but I never gave a shit. Like, I just did the minimum that I needed to do to, <laughs> to get by. Because I was always playing music. Or I was, I, was, I was in the gym, right? Did not give a crap. So I told you, my folks... You still go to the gym? Uh, I don't play basketball anymore just because, you yeah. know, if you fuck these up, it's like, what You're are you going to do? Screwed. Right. Absolutely. So that, yeah. So that was a sacrifice, but I went to my folks and said, yeah, so, um, I'm thinking about doing this athletic therapy thing. And they were like, what the fuck? Are you serious? Like you hate. <laughs> and I was like, no, 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 this is good. Like she convinced, she told me all about it and blah, blah, blah. So fast forward, they, they were like, all right, dig your own grave, buddy. Um, first day of university. Oh, and also I never took science in high school. So, you know, whatever, never took science. My first class of university, I walk into this classroom, but it was like a theater, 300 people in there. And, uh, it was biology. Oh, Jesus. the The class starts and a professor comes on the screen, clearly still in 1991 Ah, new balance. Goes, hey guys, yeah. Hey guys, this is Doctor Whatever. Uh, welcome to Biology B. Uh, blah blah blah. And I and immediately, like, not not a second went. I said, I've just made the biggest mistake of my life. Like, what am I doing? Here? So, long story short, I uh, and okay. And while I was in university, I was still I was still playing in bands, playing little gigs, and I had off gigs. Like, I had like little jobs too. Like. I worked in a call center. I made pizzas for a minute. Okay, that was I, you know, we, like, like we all, have we, you hustled? Have you had shitty jobs? Oh yeah, I I can tell you some hilarious jobs. <laughs> but uh, but this this was all at the same time. So yeah, like oh yeah, I was I was working at a call center. I was selling pantyhose no. and CDs. I was making pizza. I was actually that was about it. I was I've been very fortunate. I've really only had two. Jobs. Oh, and I was a paper boy once when I was younger. How were you selling? Were you making pizzas at the restaurant or were you just delivering them? I was in the kitchen, uh, but sometimes I had to deliver them. Were that you doing true. all the pizza acrobatics? Were you? Were you were no, you it wasn't that. It was a chain, it's a Canadian chain called Boston Pizza. You don't have that, right? <laughs> Oddly enough, it's called Boston. Um, Boston Market. Though. Everything is... everything. There's no acrobatics. It's all chain pizza, you know? <laughs> That's but yeah, I, I basically, I, you know, I had these courses and I was like, I made a huge mistake. And before that year finished, that school year finished, I was dropped out of everything. Dropped out. and Dropped out. And I was like, I'm, you know what? If you're going to play music... Do it. You, like, don't, don't, don't half and half. Do it. This is clearly what you want to be doing. Right. All my friends... Actually, a lot of my friends were in university, but a whole other circle of my friends were like-minded, like did not go to university, were already playing music, were right. just going out every night. And that's what I was doing. I was like, you know what? Fuck it, I'm diving in. Mm. And, ne- and kind of never looked back. Whoa. And your parents yeah. were supportive? Fully supportive, yeah. Same here. That's, that is absolutely a crucial thing. That, do you have any siblings that play music? 
my brother is musical, right. <laughs> but he never pursued it. He never had that bug the same way. Uh, he so could have. How'd that start for you? Like living up, living up in Canada and doing that whole thing? Or is it just going out and getting gigs or were you wanting to start your own band and do the whole thing? Uh, it's a little bit of both. My, like, like I said, my parents are musicians. So that helped me meet a lot of people, at least the people, my, my folks age. So the older generation, a lot of people knew me already because of the relationship with, they had with my parents and just them being in the scene and mm. me meeting them. So that was there. Um, but really what started it was, yeah, I, I started a band like a trio mm. and, and we played a bunch of covers. We mm. wrote some tunes. I fronted. Did you sang. like doing that? Was that a natural thing for you? It was not a natural thing. I, I didn't start singing till I was 17. I was shy as fuck. Like I never sang and I just threw myself into it. Once I accepted that, you know Same what, here. you really do like singing and it's all good. I just started doing it. And as you know, there's no better way to get better at anything than to just do it for years and years and years. And, and yeah, we, we, I booked us gigs like three to four gigs a week. Like it was yeah. crazy. Yeah. And it's not like we were crushing, but we were busy and people would come out and see us and, you know, they'd go, Hey, uh, yeah, band was cool, whatever, <laughs> but do you want, do you want to come play on my record or do you want to come play a few shows with this band? Uh, I'm an artist manager. I could use you for this other artist. And it all started from there. Yeah. Right. I know like, I had a circle already of friends. So we were all subbing out gigs to other, to each other. And we'd all end up on gigs together. And a couple of my friends had our own studios already. So they would call us to do stuff where we would just jam and, and it was just like this collective scene and community. And it just grew from there. The more and more you do it, like you kept, kept leveling up. It's like, okay, I'm playing a lot locally. And then, Oh my God, I just got a gig in Toronto, which was a big deal. Right. Of course. And then, Oh, I, once you get out of the, the city that you're in, it just grew and grew. And then, you know, eventually you start doing international stuff and Whoa. Did you have an agent? traveling the world. And uh, I did not have an agent. I didn't have anything until I started. Well, when I was my, like my own personal agent management, anything like that, I haven't had until like doing my own solo thing, like officially, which, which has been in the last, yeah, the last couple of years. That's wild. So what were you doing? But yeah. What was the thing before your present solo endeavor that really had the most momentum? Uh, I played in a band called the brothers Landreth for five years or so. Fantastic band. Fantastic guitar work. Yeah. Fantastic great songs. band. Um, so I was doing that, but I was also still doing before brothers landers. I was doing a lot of sideman stuff and actually in the Canadian pop country scene Which and is the Canadian scene. pop huge scene. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, it, the biggest scene, uh, the amount of work that is there is just wild. unheard of. And I, I was, yeah, I was, I was on the tour bus doing the thing wearing my guitar lower and, um, having fun to be honest wasn't necessarily music I was listening to, but it was a lot of fun. And I met some great people, made great lifelong friends, connections. And just, it was really fun. It's, it was a great way to make a living playing music. And once we, once the band started, um, or once I started playing in the band, that was when I was like, Oh, okay. Now I can just start not thinking about what I'm playing or thinking about how I'm playing and just be me to right, a degree. Course. Whoa. And like serve songs. Whoa, come on. And that was what you wanted to do. That was what you wanted to do. 
What happened with Brothers Landreth that that had stopped? Was it a was it friction within the band on a personal level? Was it a lack of drive? I'm always fascinated to hear about things that work for a while and don't work because those things always lead to things that eventually work, etc. Yeah, well, the band is still going. Um, there's a did a record two years ago. Oh my god, we actually recorded it three years ago. So that just came out last fall. That's a um, long time. And so that just came out last fall. Um, they've been doing a little bit of touring. I've, I've, I've just picked up, I don't want to say I've picked up momentum, but when you start, a, when you start the train and you get it going, you, you know, initially you think, oh, I'm just going to put out an album and then whatever, not give it the love. But like you put so much time, sweat, money, tears into to a project like that. Mm. You, at least for me, I, you can't just go, I'm just going to put this out in the world and then forget about it. You, I needed to give it the full treatment and fully, you know, give, give my all to it. And it was just, it's just been so busy and I've, it's kind of taken over. Yes, of course. As it should. Are you with, yeah. um, who's your agency now? Is it UTA? I think we talked to Nam about it. What was it? William Morris, someone like that? Uh, I'm in the States. I'm crossover touring. Uh-huh. You know the crossover guys? I do know crossover. Yeah. That's cool. Um, That's great. And C- Canada, I'm with the Feldman Agency. Yeah, TFA. Nice. Who, who are you with? I'm with uh, WME. For um, They do everything like across the world. Yeah, yeah. We used to be with them uh, for a small amount of time. But then we switched. Are, is, are they, is that working out well for you? It They're is. Uh, as Very good. We, as we speak right now... Uh, we have a tour scheduled to start in August, go through October. I just don't know how that's going to pan out. I'm a little scared about all that. There's yeah. never been anything like this. This is like, I was thinking I about this the other day where it's like 10, 15 years from now, we will have been veterans of the literal dust bowl of like the worst yeah. era in touring ever, <laughs> which, totally. is, which is literally wild. It's like, it was almost like um, the biggest challenge of your life manifested in about two weeks not not on a personal <laughs> level but like on a cultural level this is like yeah. the biggest challenge we ever had and it happened out of nowhere happened fast it's insane totally. what are you what are you doing right now to 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 make sense out of this whole thing are you finding inspiration are you working on songs are um, you playing i'm not- definitely playing i'm i'm not feeling super creative or inspired i am currently finishing up my next record, which is great. I'm so grateful that everything, you know, we record and tracked everything. We already started mixing the first song before shit hit the fan. So we've been working on that. Right. Which has been keeping me going. I've been extending the, uh, the branch of Skype lessons, which I've always done when I'm off the road. I love teaching. One or two weeks, you know, Hey guys, I'm, I'm, I'm home for uh, the first two weeks of October message me if you want to do a lesson. So I've been doing more of that, but I'm, I get to a level where, you know, two or three weeks of that, I, I'm like, I need a break. I kind of hate hearing myself talk that much for a while. So I've been doing a bunch of that. I've also been doing the odd sessions here and there. I'm, I'm kind of shocked that people are still doing stuff. So I'm happy to do that. But for my own thing, I have not written a single thing. I have not felt motivated to write new material. And a big part of that is not just because I'm uninspired from 
this whole pandemic, but I'm just so focused on this new record that I kind of try to stay in that mindset before moving on to new stuff. hundred percent. What's your, what's your process for, for gaining inspiration for that record or what was it? Like, was it, was touring helping with that? I know for a lot of people it's it's like touring either helps people or it breaks them with their inspiration. You seem like a guy where it inspires you. Yeah, I mean, I don't write on the road. I never write on tour. I don't Where know about you, guys you, but touring wise, like uh, when you guys are doing like your best markets, are you guys are you still driving the van, or do you do you have a tour manager who's doing all this for you? I have a tour manager. My agent in the UK is a great friend, actually, and he also tour manages. So he he'll book the entire tour, and he's got a van, and he drives because the the. Have you toured in the UK yet? We did. Uh, we did Germany and the, and the Netherlands last year. Okay, because in the UK and Ireland, the way that we insure vehicles here, Canada and the States, is like if the car is insured, then and if you and I go out like for a couple <laughs> drinks and you drink too many and it's your car, and I go, hey man, you shouldn't drive. Let me drive your car home. That's cool, right? You're that's totally fine. It's fine over there, the person is insured to the car. One hundred percent. So. If you know, if the tour manager <laughs> has too many drinks, we're technically not allowed to drive the car. Hundred percent. So that that's my whole point. It's it's kind of a complicated and weird setup there, but yeah, <laughs> uh, most of the time I'm still driving. We're still driving the van. I fucking that's hate a luxury. Driving, driving sucks so much sometimes. Driving is the worst. Sometimes it's the thing you need in the morning, but then sometimes it's yeah. literal that six seven hour drive. Man, that is the yeah. worst. I I hate the I hate the sitting. I find yeah, fuck I, ha- I have to drown myself in something to get through it. And I lo- I love traveling. I love of course. I love going to places I've been. I love seeing new places. <laughs> but whether whether I'm in an airplane, I'm in a car. I need to be distracted. I need to drown myself. <laughs> whether it's a two hour flight or a fifteen hour flight to Australia, I need to just completely be obliterated in something. So I don't think I can never. I never understand people that just sit on an airplane no. or in a car just like this. What is that? And just, I mean, it's just being normal, I guess. And we're the weird ones that need to be entertained or <laughs> distracted. But when, now that we have the technology and the, we have the stuff that we need to keep us entertained, oh, you've got to fucking use that as much as you can. Dude, it's wild. I mean, we're literally like, we can like write songs in the van that we presently have. So like, that'll be the thing that kind of happens. We have this small shitty guitar that we don't care if it gets danged up, et cetera. Oh, nice. Um, um, is that kind of the vibe for you? Or are you guys like, are you just listening to podcasts and chilling? Yeah, definitely listen to a lot of podcasts. Listen to music as well. It, I'm very fortunate because my dudes, everyone likes to drive. And That's I've huge. had experiences... I've had experiences where, you know, people don't like to drive for that. too long and, yeah. and they go, they go, I need you to step in. No, I need you to drive. And I go, <laughs> okay. And I don't mind driving. I really don't mind driving. Right, of course. And, I, I, and then I've toured with other people who are, insist on driving. They want to be the ones who drive. Which I love that. And, and with my guys, I'm happy to drive, <laughs> but they're also just as happy to drive. And, and, and you know what? That is the key. If you want a, a tour hack, split up the driving. 100%. And it makes it so much easier. Hundred yeah. percent. So when you guys do U.S. Canada, is it just the band, or do you bring like someone to help with merch? Do you bring someone to help, etc. Now, yeah, I keep it. We keep it still just the band. I'm doing my own merch, advancing everything. I'm the tour manager, <laughs> and 
and all that stuff. In the UK, though, yeah, tour uh, manager will also do all the merch, advanced shows, do do all that kind of stuff, which is a luxury for sure. I'm happy to do it all myself. I'm a very organized guy. I'm a very details oriented guy, and I like organization. Of course. So advancing a show, booking hotels, booking flights, planning everything. It's honestly not overwhelming for me. I, I actually enjoy that kind of stuff. Well, it's easier now than ever too to be that guy. Yeah, totally. Uh, are there totally. Any, uh, but a lot of people don't. People, a lot of people can't. Like they just no. can't be bothered to do that. I don't get that. I don't, not, I don't get that at all. I don't get like. It's the, not even that they're incapable. They just cannot be bothered to put that extra work in. I love putting the extra work in. I think it always pays off dividends in the long run of things. Oh, no question. Um, I was going to say each guy, each guy in the van, it, they have a different vibe they like to create. So, you know, some guys might like the podcast thing. Um, One of the guys likes, likes more music, right? you know? Yeah. So it, it always changes, but it's, it's important to just let everyone, a healthy van is, is moderation and everyone getting what they need. And on, honestly, healthy touring obviously is moderation, but everyone needs to be happy with their surrounding and their situation. And, and if that means you don't really want to listen to music sometimes, or you don't want to listen to that album, you listen to it and it's fine. Right. And you'll be okay. It's, a, <laughs> it's all right. Life goes on. Well, on. that is the, that is the beautiful thing is you kind of have to challenge yourself to exist in this like Crayola color box of personality. Oh dude. You know, for, yeah. Are you guys doing long stints of touring? Are you doing like, like in Nashville, like we do like, since we're so geographically play, yeah. place, we can kind of go out for at most two weeks and then just come back. Yeah. Are yeah well, that's, that's a great luxury. Um, back in the day when we were, when we were doing the most uh, brothers Landreth stuff. I love that term back in the day. Back in the day, five <laughs> years ago. <laughs> Uh, Nash Nashville was like our American Winnipeg. That's where our, our label was, our, the whole team was there. So we were in Nashville a lot. Uh, and yeah, we were sometimes just kind of satelliting there and then touring around there, but we, we were hitting it hard. We were hitting Damn. like 200 days, 200 days a year. That's a dream. I would love to do 200 shows a year. I really would. But it kind it kind of broke us too. Yeah. Um, you know, everyone in the band, Everyone's in relationships. Everyone, That's everyone's right. human, right? Yeah, so human. you spend that amount of time away. You you see a little God bit of growth, and you see some good things, but it's very difficult to just keep the balance and keep the moderation. So now that I'm doing my now, once I do my thing, you can't just go out and do three shows and come home. First yeah. of all, it's not worth it. Secondly, you know if you're going to go out, like work more, uh, but at the same time it's all about quality over quantity and efficiency. So I'm happier to go hard for a shorter amount of time. Yes. Even if it hurts a little more than to go out for, you know, a month with three days off here and two days off there and a drive day that takes two oh. days, you know, like, I'm happy to, I'm happy to condense now and do less. Less is more quality over quantity is, is the key for me these days. Ooh, does that apply to your own? It sounds like that applies to your own work output too of music. It sounds like like you like to like, yeah, maybe not make it a scheduled thing, but it's like no more than once a year you're putting out music. It seems. Well, that's a whole other discussion, and and that's a whole other thing I'm trying to. And that was honestly, not understand, but like right in this this day and age, 
That's the thing. It's a, it's a, it's a, it, Maggie Rogers had a really good interview. I want to say at the end of last year where she was saying that everyone is so afraid of losing momentum and becoming irrelevant that everyone's starting to put out way more music than they used to. Mm-hmm. And it's not, it's not as special as it used to be because people are just forcing out stuff that you would usually put aside. Yeah. Right. Right. Now everyone's putting stuff out. So they're just going, Hey, remember me? Like, don't forget about me. I'm still here. Check out this new single that I, you know, probably wouldn't feel as proud of if I did it, if it was five years ago, you know what I mean? So at the same time, I want to keep people engaged. I want to keep putting out stuff, but you know, yeah, my, my last record came out, uh, January of last year. So about a year and a half ago, well, just under a year and a half ago. And then the whole last year and three months, it's like, okay, you put out an album typically in 2020, if you're not on a major label and you're not Taylor Swift, your album cycle is going to be, well, it, it'll be as long as you make it. Right. Cause it's it'll be as long it. as you tour. Right. Exactly. You know, Cause you kind of, you can control your own narrative to a degree and you can control well, you can't control your audience, but you can control what you give them. And perfect. Yeah, I didn't want to give too much because I right when I the record came out. Actually, once I okay, the record came out January 2019. I think it was all mixed. It was all mastered by June 2018. Once it was like done, like we didn't have to work on it anymore. I I, I already started writing for the next record. Of course. And uh, for the last since then. Uh, we are, I recorded this next record in December and I was writing up until then. So about a year, another year and a half of writing. Um, and I didn't want to give any of that stuff. You got to make it special. If you give too much, I feel like there's, it loses its, the, the majesticness and like the special elements of new music. So what I did, and I know a lot of other people do this too, but one thing about putting out an album and you know, this is like you record it, and then you go on the road and tour it for a year or more and you get so much fucking better at playing these songs and singing <laughs> these songs than you did when you record, right? Of course. Of course. So, so I did a couple, I did an EP. Originally I shot video, like live video of every song I played with the band. Fantastic promo. And, Cause you, and, you're a live guy. That's what you do very well is live. So why not give them that? Yeah. So I released a little EP of that and that, that went over great, you know, vinyl, all that stuff. and then. In September, I went back to the studio where I do all my cut all my records, the studio in Winnipeg, and got the band. And we had like 25 people in the everyone in the live room, all on headphones right. because you know the guitar amps were feeding to another studio room. And the only thing you would have heard if you took your headphones off is drums. And we played the entire album down in like a cover that I play, and I released that as a vinyl too. So, you know, I'm, I'm still giving people right. new music, but these songs have evolved the way I've sing them, the way I play them, they've evolved the way the band plays them evolved. Mm-hmm. So it's, they're like little time capsules. Yep. Whereas, but I'm not right. Oversaturating with new material. And I trust me, I cannot wait to put out new material. I'm sick of those songs, but that's just, that's just how it is. There's nothing better than, 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 a, than loving a live version of a song better than, Oh yeah. And then a studio version of a song because the song therefore has legs and the song has lived. And you hear Bob Weir talk about 
and other people too talk about ideas, right? Like songs, jokes, whatever. You hear these great creators talk about literally the idea of like a song, a joke, whatever it is, it is a life form of its own, right? It's its own living energy. And we know this for two reasons. We know it because it changes the longer that it stays on earth. And we know that we know it for a second reason, because whenever you present it to a room, it makes the whole community of people involved become alive, right? It's just Mm. like how the actual energy of which you playing guitar is kind of its own thing, separate from your own being when you're just doing a podcast, like you're going to be emitting a completely different kind of a vibe and it's going to be exciting. It's like, that's what a song does. So when you do that, with a live performance. I mean, that is the best thing ever. I'm wondering if moving forward, we're going to start to see more people attempt to do live records because like, there's such a distinction Mm. now because now you always hear, it's like, yeah, I like the record, but I didn't like them live or like the record's okay, but I loved them live. It's like that with like the book and the movie, like read the book, didn't like the movie. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think I'd like to think that people are going to do more live records. I mean, certain genres, you have to do it. Like if you're a jazz, got to do it. Like you got to do it. You know, certain, certain genres of music are so much about the, the spur of the moment uh, type of stuff that happens in the improvising. And you can only show that in live context. So that I, I get that. I mean, I love records. Like Justin Timberlake put out that concert DVD a couple of years ago and fuck did I love hearing those songs with a band that has been touring for three years, just kill. Cause like, you know, some, you get someone like Adam Blackstone MDing it and putting in all these really interesting arrangements and little hits and subtleties. Yes. I, I want to see of that. I want to listen to that. Yes. So a hundred percent, I think it can be for any genre. Um, yeah, that's for sure. And a lot of bands do that. I like, I mean like look at Wolfpack, for example, Wolfpack is a band that, all their stuff is live off the floor too, and they're filming it. So that is how they're playing it. And that's the whole, like the novelty. It's not a novelty, but it's what, what they're recording is what they're doing. And that's what you get. And you go to see them live. That's what they did. They just, they're just doing that. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's what's grown into this phenomenon for them. And then doing it at Madison Square Garden. It's, it's just finding something that's honest, like going back to what we're talking about, not overthinking it, not overdoing it. Um, there's all the perfect, Imperfect, sorry, all the perfect imperfections are in there. All the things that you would, you know, oh, let's cut that breath out. Let's, uh, there's a click there. There's a pop there. There's I a, hate that. I'm, he- I'm, hearing, I'm hearing an artifact here or there. The artifact. <laughs> Who cares? Let's put it out, you know? Man, I, I am so that guy too when it comes to making my own music. And, and, and then Oh yeah, me too. Okay, so that was something I wanted to ask about. Like when it comes to doing things on an independent scale, when it like literally like the lifeblood of a record, right? The writing of it, the production of it, and then and then the um the curating of it post its production. So therefore the marketing, the radio, the like the 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 playlist servicing, all these things. How involved are you in, in on that process on an independent level? Because I think guys like you and some other players in the online community, which we're all involved in, we're starting to show people where it's like if you can be like, you can literally run your own business. You can be your own guy. If you want to be, you can be your own artist, you can be your own guy. And it's like, yeah. so how are you, how are you doing that is a long question. Well, yeah, you're totally right. And everyone that's doing it is running their own business. Hundred percent. You are, you are a business. Um, it's one thing to put out. It's one thing to re- put out an album. Like, and then it's one thing 
to release the album. And so hold it. to be honest, it's like p- releasing it is more important than, which is so sad to say, but in some ways, how you put it out 100%. is more important than the music itself. And yeah, I mean, I've been taught, I'm super fortunate to have friends and colleagues that have helped me understand the process. And I've seen it firsthand. I just, a strategy is important. Like I didn't need when, you know, once I started working with my manager, he was always just like, man, you already, what do you need? Like, you know, all this stuff already. I was like, well, I've just seen it. And I know, I kind of know the game now, at least for an independent artist. Right. Um, it's all to me, it's all about a strategy and putting that together and not putting it all out. First of all, I should say I'm very fortunate to have uh, a following, you know, of people that that are are into what I'm doing, into the music, come out to shows, buy records. That certainly helps. I'm, and I'm not comparing to anyone else for for my own journey. It's great, and I'm grateful for that. Obviously, we we try to build on that. Um, so I'm just trying to make it work for them and to grow that audience. Uh, but if you just put it all out there at once. It's gone. <laughs> it's not a big moment. So I, it, it'll be a big moment for a week, but then at most, what's after that? At most, yeah. A week's a long time now. Yeah. So, I mean, I'll, yeah, I'll come up with a strategy and we'll make a, a full plan. Everybody does this. You make a, you know, buddy, a, a layout of a year uh, for radio, for all that stuff. I'll hire a publicist, radio tracker. They'll so do all that kind of stuff. you're doing those things on an independent scale. You're hiring publicity. You're hiring radio tracking. That's insane. Oh yeah. Yeah. Huge help. And I'm not looking, it's not like I'm looking to get on mainstream radio cause I'm not going to be on mainstream radio, but it's, it's the little differences of a getting your music out to all the stations, even college stations or the bigger stations. It's when you're on tour and, uh, you're in Cincinnati, but yeah. you want, you can go do a radio spot in the afternoon. Right. Or you can go do a this or that, like a like a little session somewhere. Right. They'll they'll set up, they'll help in setting up all that stuff. And yeah, we all have our own connections, and we can do that as well. But there's only so much we can do, and it gets to a point where it kind of becomes a machine, and you want to have other people helping you out. Oh, you got and it, and taking parts of the job for you, and they'll be better at it. I'm I'm so much as you know, like you said, it's a business. We're all a business, and we are our own businesses. I feel it's so important just to let people that are good at what they do, do that. You don't have to do everything. 100%. Just like even when like you're doing a record, if you record it all, um, I love the idea of having somebody else mix it that wasn't involved in the actual recording mm. or production of it. Wow. Obviously right. you get someone else. Obviously someone else will master it. It's about having different, like fresh ears, having different perspective and people, Bringing everyone's strengths to one thing. Uh, there is something to be said about having this, you know, using the same person while they're there for the entire journey. That's real. But that's just how I like it. But bottom line, sorry, I'm kind of rambling here. No, in terms of releasing, in terms of releasing yeah. music, yeah, uh, yeah. I, any resemblance of a team is going to be so helpful to 100%. you. There's only so much you can sell yourself too. Hey, what's up? My name's Daniel Donato. Uh, I was just hoping I could come in for an interview at I'm playing at uh, Southgate Revival House in Newport, <laughs> Kentucky today. Can you, uh, you know, it's like rather than you do that, have 
And I don't even know if you've played that room. That have you played that room? Yeah, we played that room. I had a last. We just played that room two weeks before the Corona pandemic, and oh shit, I was so sick. I've never played a show that sick. Actually, it was the second second most sick show I've ever played. Um, terrible, just absolutely so bad. But the the show was fun. But boy, was I that's that terrible sick where you're like angry at yourself for getting that sick somehow. Oh yeah, how did my that. body did, even do this? Do they still let people smoke downstairs? I poked my head into the bar on the main floor once, they and it was just like, do. whoa! Yes, they holy do. 2004 in here. Fine. Everyone's smoking stuff. So. <laughs> I fucking hate that. I hate cigarettes. I, I oh, yeah. hate cigarettes, man. Cannot stand them at all. Very few things in life I turn me on that give me that pitbull effect of just turning on a dime. But cigarettes do it yeah. for me. And Southgate, yeah, they're that bottom. But they're so they're so <laughs> fantastic though in that in that room upstairs. Have you played that room? Yeah, I've played it a couple times. You played upstairs in the small room. Oh, oh yeah. Oh wow. Do you remember Bucky, the sound guy? I do. Yeah. <laughs> He's the, I think if he's the guy that's been there for the last five, six years, then he, yeah. He's the guy that comes with the place kind of a thing. Yeah. <laughs> what the yeah, fuck yeah, is yeah. that green room? There's literally no door to the green room. It's like not even... Yeah, it's like... I, I think of it like if you were in a... Ah. Like going to dance class and like there's a spare room where they throw all the mats and shit. That's the green room. That's the thing And they now. just have a table there. Yeah. The only thing worse than the drives now are the lack of... You know this is not a green room. Don't bullshit me. There's a oh yeah. There's a broom and a box of pine salt in here. I know a year ago this was not a green room. Oh man, I I've been fortunate to experience some of the the nicest green rooms and some of the most horrific oh, green rooms. Like Evanston Space, best green room ever. Amazing green room. That, I mean, that's just a classy place where they just take care of you. And yeah. I feel like I'm, I want to yeah. get hired for a startup back there. It just seems like, you know, it's that kind of room. <laughs> Listen, it's you got so beautiful. App, you touch it, the birds, the birds are, there's birds. It'd be worth a billion dollars. <laughs> <clears throat> I was playing at this place in Peterborough, Ontario back in November. And it's like a rugged club. Like that's, <laughs> you go play there. That's, you know what you're getting into. It's, it's kind of a... It's famous for that. And uh, yeah, I hate that. I hate yeah guys, that. Throw, throw your stuff downstairs yeah. in the green room. And go, okay. And like, it was just the uh, scene uh, of the night. It was, uh, 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 there was a party the night before. Uh, Whoever was there <laughs> left it all out. And holy, it was, it was the kind of like, maybe don't step there. Oh, maybe don't sit there, dude. Uh, oh, don't lean on that either. That's. Oh yeah. Let's like, not be here. Let's leave. But it was more of like, let's just sit in the van until we play. It was that bad. It oh, was yeah. so gross. Um, and it wasn't a slipper gig. So it's like we were just too far away from where right. we could have just gone back to our hotel. Those are the best gigs. Oh, all day. Is there anything better than a, a slipper gig? I've never heard of it called a slipper gig. What do you call it? Do you know what I mean, though, by a slipper gig? That's the most Canadian. That's more Canadian than everything Neil Young has ever said. <laughs> I don't even know if it's a Canadian thing, but <laughs> slipper gig. I'll, I'll, we'll take credit for it. Oh, you mean do you, you know? It's like do you mean sleeper? Slipper gig. Slipper. No, s- slipper. Slipper. It means you slip all that back? your gig. Let's say the venue is connected to a hotel, or like your hotel is next door to the, or you know, let's say you play a f- 
an outdoor thing, a huge outdoor thing, and the hotel is right outside oh, yeah, there. Or, the or the venue is downstairs and the hotel is upstairs. That is a slippery gig where you can finish sound check and go, peace, guys, I'm going up to my room. Oh. And you're there. Oh, yeah. And then you finish the gig, whatever, do merge, and then you just go back. And yeah. you can leave the gear down there all night. Because oh. you're, you're just staying there that night, you know? Oh, not having That's a, a slipper gig. gig. That is it, man. So a gig actually where it's real life or like it's an actual job. It's not torture where it's not like, yeah, 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 man. It's the loading in. It's that God. It's like that. Hey, we got a three hour drive after tonight's show. Now that is, ah, I mean, once you get there, once you finish that drive, it is worth it. I mean, you're there, you go to sleep. It's usually never a good sleep for some reason, but it's like, you know what? I'm glad we made it alive because now the next day is going to be easier. Yeah. But man, there is nothing uh, when you finish a gig, especially if it's a bad gig. If it's a great show, and you leave, you're, the, the the tank is filled. Oh, like, dude, morale is good. That two or three hours, you're laughing. It's nothing. It's all good. It's nothing. But if you have all. a kind of a crappy gig, oh, or like man. if the gig was well attended, but you still felt bad about how you played or how, whatever, there was something. The worst. That takes. that drive is the longest drive of your life. <laughs> oh, it's the worst. Or how about we're uh, we're like um. The thing for me is when I know I did not fulfill to my best expectations and everybody else is just like, they loved the gig and you're just sitting there remiss in silence. Oh yeah. And there's a disconnection. That is the, that's a struggle. It's a struggle. Yeah, that is a struggle. I even struggle when I'm pretty hard on myself and you know, and if people can't even tell the difference of, no, I mean, you don't, you don't want people, you don't want your fans coming up after the show and be like, Kind of shitty, but uh, I glad that. I came. You know, I would you would love that. that. I honest to God would love that. That happened actually that you mentioned that at Newport. <laughs> that happened. <laughs> I swear, of course it did. I swear it was so bad. There was one song that it was a straight, it was a strenuous song for me to sing. And I knew as I was getting, you know, like that first verse, like that first verse. Yeah, shake, the, shake the webs out kind of, even if you've been, you're on tour. It's like the first thing you sing sometimes won't be as you expect it to be. <laughs> well, you can kind of like just predict that turbulence, like as you mentioned, yeah. right. And man, I, sure enough, it was the only moment in the set where I felt exposed. Like I knew, I knew it wasn't, mm. it wasn't a, it wasn't a thing. Like it was, and this woman comes up to me after and she goes, man, you really bombed that first verse on that song. It was almost as if oh. someone paid her. And uh, I, it didn't hurt me. Cause then I realized, Oh, th- th- I'm a human. Like I'm a human. Like I'm, I'm going to fuck up sometimes. Like that's my job. Yeah. But that's also something you don't say. You don't go up to someone who's doing their job and oh, say, I know. I didn't like how, I didn't like how you uh, stack those papers on top of each other. Um, I know I don't work here. I'm just walking through the office, but my, I noticed from the corner of my eye that you, uh, you stack them this way. And I don't think I like that at all. So you should really rethink how you, it's like, Fuck you. Like, that's not how it works. I was actually, I'm heading back up. This happens to be a slipper gig for me. So I figured I'd see what the paper department looked like. So I figured I'd like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Man, it's real. There's a line. There's, there's a line though. Like, um, if you feel shitty about your own performance, like most of the time, the things that bug you the most, no one is going to notice. No, no, no. Um, not at all. But people should not be coming up to you and saying, like, that, that, as nice, I try to say this as nice as possible. It doesn't matter what she thinks. Like you do your thing the way you do it. Um, it has, it should have no impact, but it's like going to a comedy show and like, can you imagine getting heckled all the time when oh. something 
And oh. to be quick like that, like you would actually have to tell that woman to fuck off rather than being like, oh, well, thank you very much. Thanks for coming. Yeah. Oh, uh, I hate, <laughs> I nervously hate just shaking them off somehow. God, nervous. I call it nervous nice. Nervous nice. Yeah, that's good. I'm not into it at all. The older I get, I stop doing it. I try to be more honest with people. And, and I tell you, it pays that's off. good. Yeah, I think it does. I think it's a thing to do. Man, it seems like your, your fan base is um, a, a good mix of people. It doesn't seem like it's just guitar players. Uh, I'm working. <laughs> I'm working on it now. Is that something I'm, that you're? Are you ever like pissed off to like? Are, are are you ever not? Maybe it's not pissed off. I want to use a more appropriate term because it truly is a more appropriate question. Are you ever wanting to find, which of course you are, more portals of connection within people who don't just play guitar for your music? Hundred percent, hundred and ten percent. Right. And so, um, what's the what's your journey with that endeavor? The journey is, yeah, you better believe. Once the ball got rolling, it was 90, 90 to 95% guitar players who like, you know, you go out and pour your heart out and they singing they stand. And, you, and playing, but they come up to you after and instead of going, Oh, I love that show. They go, Oh man, <laughs> what, kind of, what kind of, what kind of capo is that, bro? <laughs> so that's all good, but here's the here's the thing I've it accepted. Is. It's really great with 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 that whole thing. It's all good, and if you if people come to my show because they saw me <laughs> demoing demoing a pedal or like playing some, if it has to do with equipment, yeah, and that that's what brought them there, man, awesome. I don't care. Oh yeah, same. Thanks for coming to the show. Yeah, but yeah, I'm try. If I have someone that comes to a show and this happens, you know, I'm grateful that this happens a lot of times. We're like, you know what, this song that you wrote whatever, uh, really helped me through a hard time. And uh, I just want to say thank you for, for, you know, that kind of stuff. I'm like, now we're rolling. Not that I'm expecting that kind of response, but when people come and say that, uh, I'm getting a lot more of, you know, not just males, a lot more females, a lot more, you know, a lot of everyone and non-guitar players. Like, I don't play guitar, but I, I just, I really, I heard your music on whatever. And I just had to come see it. It's like, yes. Yes. Even little by little. But you know what? I have no quarrels with right. guitar players. Like, the, I am a guitar player. And that's, that's, the, uh, that's the road I chose to really yeah. build my name. It chose you. So I, I'm all about respecting that. Um, but at the same time... I'm not making guitar music or anything like that. It's very, yeah, it's guitar focused music, but it's not guitar music. Uh, and there is a bit more guitar in the show than there is on the recordings. Oh, there has to be. So every, I, I'd like to think that everyone's happy, but yeah, trying to expand that for sure. And, and I have been slowly, but surely. Um, How about you? So the, with Cosmic Country, it's, it's jam band fans and country music fans who mm. kind of all own a guitar anyway. So it's, it's actually a funny cultural realization where it's like, I'm getting the... Um, and why I say that is because they own a guitar so they can respect somebody who knows how to handle it. Right. And, and, create, and create momentum with it and do their thing with it. But not all of them play guitar. But there are some shows, my friend, where it's only guitar players. And you would think it's that scene in I Am Legend where all the zombies are just standing there still. Are you familiar with that scene? You know, the yeah. guitar, you know, the, like the, and I, I love guitar players. Like I'm a guitar player. Like, and I yeah. go see shows and you can tell I'm a guitar player because I stand there with my mouth open and my hands in my pockets. Yes. And, and then a room full of those people is a funny thing to see. So that's why I'd ask. It is. 
It's really, it's, really it, funny. <laughs> you know, it is a, it is a special thing as well, because like you said, I, that was me. And that has been me too. Oh yeah. I was always that guy, you know, going to a show, standing there. And then when something cool happens, you, you knock your friend and, and you both are just like, Oh yeah. yeah, right. yeah it's an amazing thing. So like to have someone do that. And it's awesome. That's like, a, that's a full circle moment. That's a full circle thing. Um, but you know, to have people singing along to songs, <laughs> singing along to lyrics. Oh, that's almost, that's like next level. The next level, man. And then dancing too. That's why the Grateful Dead. Oh, and dancing, yeah. It's insane, you know. But you're doing it all to trio. That's fantastic, man. I, I, I tried trio for a while and I just felt naked out there. I feel like I was wearing flip-flops to a wedding. Huh. You know, I've always, pl- I've done so much trio playing my whole life that I'm just used to it. And, and at the moment, it's a bit more cost-effective, of course. I'd love to have some keys and eventually I'd love to have another guitar player. Oh. I want to have a huge band, but I'm just not at that. I just can't make that work yet. When I like, I'll do a hometown show. <clears throat> pardon me. And uh, yeah, I'll make the band bigger for something like that or the odd thing. But, but most of the time I've dialed in the trio. I like the space, you know, I, there's a lot of singing on my gig. So the guys are doing a lot of work and it fills up a lot of sonic space. So even though it's just guitar based drums, there's three vocals, there's a lot going on. Um, but it's all very contained it's a lot more dynamic that way because everyone's listening yeah. and everyone's just doing the real, trying to be as musical as possible. And when you cut down the amount of people, it does help for that. That being said, you lack in other sonic qualities. You do. Um, right. But that's okay. You do. You got it's it. It's all good. Now, you got it. I've never, I don't really ask people this, but I love asking guitar players this where it's like, there are so many end goals that change in your career as a guitar player. Like your, like your, your ultimate, your, your ultimate achievement, the big old buck on the wall, the old, the, 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 the conversation piece of what is a goal. I find for a lot of guitar players throughout their own life lives in many variations. There's very many versions. And so presently, or have you defined what that goal is? Have you defined what that vision and what that dream is? Um, I think so. I think and it's, it's a weird just, thing to talk about. It's like Voldemort from Harry Potter. It's like, <laughs> do I say a judge? You know? So but I wanted to ask me, because everyone loves hearing about these things and it's, it's a real topic. So to me, it's just, yeah, I've always said this too. When I started playing music full time as a side guy, you know, it was just lack for a better term, a blessing to, to be able to do it and make it work and, you know, going city to city. Right with people showing up, buying music, buying merch, supporting it, that, that feels like success already, even at a small, you know, showing up to a city you've never played in under your own name and having X amount of people show up. It's wild. Oh my God. Like this is, this is fucking crazy. Um, you know, and there's a lot of other avenues of like, you know, gaining respect from heroes, getting respect from, uh, magazines or online publications, People, it's all just like everything's bonus. To me, it's just being able to be me as an artist and a musician, and people recognize it as not even. I don't need to hear people go, "Yeah, man, you're you're awesome." I just want to. I'm happy hearing people just people going like, "Yeah, man, I support what you're doing. Keep you know, keep doing what you're doing. We appreciate it." That's. And it's not even that I'm looking for that. It's just a reminder of like, you're doing the right thing. That's, that's what it is. 
That's beautiful, man. That's very well said, my friend. I think that'll inspire a lot of people to hear that because that's very well-defined vision. Hmm. Yeah. What about what about you? I, I got. I, I've never really thought about it that way. But. I want to sell it to Ryman really badly, really, really mm. badly. Like that scene from SpongeBob where he says that seven times. Like that was the first place in Nashville where I started busking in front of when I was fourteen. And it's mm. there was a gig I played right across the back door of the Ryman leads into an alleyway that's about 15 feet long leads into a bar that i played like 500 shows at and so which one's that robert's western world okay you probably know that place if you've been to nashville robert's isn't there a robert's on broadway that's the robert's that oh that's the robert's yeah i've been to robert's before i was 21 when i was waiting for my like my cash each night to get paid i'd go and wait out back there and there'd be you know everyone who ever played the rhyme would be hanging out back there doing a cigarette break. And I would talk to him. Right. And it would be like, man, I cannot fucking wait to sell this place one day. Like I want to play this venue so sincerely bad. And it's been my goal my whole, like for 10 years. Um, so that's the goal. If I could, if I could do that, that'd be insane. Um, nice. I, I like the specific dead I, set you specific get, goal. It helps, right? Like, you got to get specific. It helps too. Like, you know, we were talking yeah. about like getting praise from heroes. It was like, you know, like I know John Mayer is a fan of what you do. And I, I know he's, I, I know that he's in tune with what I'm doing. And it's like with people like of that caliber, I've, I've also heard people like Isabel too, like talk about like, they literally like write down their goals in like very specific ways. Like, so I think it helps. Like if you hear of somebody who's like, who's achieved accolades of, of, of high nature and to hear about their process, it might help. So that's why I was wondering to see if you, if you dove into that world at all. Um, no, you're, you're totally right. And I, <clears throat> I haven't that much because I, it's like, I'm not, I have ex- expectations, but I don't want to put too much pressure on myself. And, you know, if anything happens like that, if I, you know, like the Ryman, for example, yeah, for sure. Of course it'd be like, this is, absolutely crazy um but my i guess the vision is just more overall big picture than than specific little nuggets of right like but you know what i i know so many people that day to day who aren't musicians how do they get on with their day and like make sure they're organized and do what they need to do they make lists gotta make and a they list. just like right up and yeah i i don't really do enough of that maybe i should hey this was a blast thanks for taking the time Dude, my pleasure. Great yeah. hang. It's always good talking to you. I feel like we connect on a on a thinker's level. So thanks for the time, my friend. Absolutely, man. Uh, yeah, stay safe out there. And uh, sorry to you in advance for all the more gigs that are going to be canceled. God, I know. <laughs> but it's all good. They'll be back soon enough. We will. We'll be back soon enough. Right on. All right, my friend. I'll talk to you later. Hey, man. Take care. All right. Yes, this was a real conversation that has absolute artifacts of wisdom that you can keep and carry with you, which is the whole purpose of the Lost Highway podcast. We're making the quarantine thing work here. Um, that analog being in the same room vibe I know is in there, but I appreciate y'all sticking through it and understanding that the main effort that we can do right now is just try to bring the best quality possible in a time where our normal quality of life isn't what it normally is. So I appreciate y'all sticking through and listening. Um, no sponsors right now, but we're getting some sponsors on June 1st. But until then, it is just me in the mother-in-law house behind my parents' house, living my best life. Uh, the music we were hearing today was uh, Grateful Dead Tennessee at uh, Tennessee Jed at the Capitol Theater, 61876. 
fantastic. I heard gas prices were good that year. And then we have Ariel Posen, How Long? And then this is, of course, Buck Owens, Hello Trouble. Fantastic country song. Y'all stay positive. We'll make a pot of coffee. Drink some coffee. And you can rest stay positive. Talk to y'all later. You can tell me them sweet lies and I'll listen to you. For I'm just a little part of all the life you've lived. I love this line right here. But I'd rather have a little bit of trouble than to never know the love you give. Damn. Hello, trouble. Come on.